Nerd alert, nerd alert. It's almost time for season two of Our Nerdiest Thing coming in March 2023. We will be reading Jennifer L. Armentrout's From Blood and Ash. And as always, we are spoiler friendly. So get to reading. I'm Whitney. I'm Mindy. And I'm Deb. We're three best friends who love nerdy things. Well, some people think we're nerdy, but we think we're pretty awesome. This is Our Nerdiest Thing. This season, we are discussing A Court of Thorns and Roses and all of Sarah J. Mass's books. We are spoiler-friendly, so listen at your own risk. Hello, fellow nerds, and welcome to Our Nerdiest Thing. Today, we are talking about A Court of Thorns and Roses, chapters 44, 45, and 46. It's the end of the book sad face and an era (laughs) we did it we already spun the wheel for our nerdiest recap and it's me it's about damn time (laughs) in a minute i'm gonna be embarrassed that i did this Uh, you don't i'm sorry you don't get a minute you get 30 seconds Oh, oh yeah i know um okay i'm gonna go ahead and start the timer and probably do a really terrible job. You don't job. trust me to give you your countdown like last time <laughs> when I did two and you had seven? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, okay, so Feyre stabs Tam Tam in the heart and it's okay because this heart is made of stone. Hooray! She's freed the fairies except not so much because Amarantha says no. And Amarantha basically like beats her to death and tortures her. And then um, she finally figures out the answer to the riddle. It's love. And um, Tamlin kills Amarantha and they bring Favor back to life. And Rhysand does something weird and they go home. Bye bye. <laughs> you left out the, you know, mating bond snapping into place. Well, was that the Reese does said, something weird? Yeah, <laughs> I said Reese does something weird. Because from oh. Feyre's perspective, she doesn't know what she that is. She doesn't know what that is. It's just Reese doing something he weird. He stumbled. <laughs> he looked shocked. <laughs> well, we'll get there. So, will you please do our nerdiest vocabulary? I would love to. I know you talked a lot about the sisters in our very first episode and did a little bit of the etymology. And I thought I would revisit that. And then I did look up in the Urban Dictionary for one character. And I realized that I hadn't done favorite yet. So Rookie mistake. Uh, right? <laughs> like, why did not lead with that? But really, the whole thing ends with her anyways. Like, that's this is her thing. So, you know, save the best for last or whatever. Farah, um, are you just doing this because she died and you feel bad? Because she died? Only for a couple minutes. I know. I was going to say, she's, <laughs> she came back to life so quickly. You acted so surprised. Wait, she died? <laughs> it barely even counts. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. She was swimming in the murky black well, waters. That's true. So most consider Farah to mean beautiful fairy or elf, which I think is what you had mentioned before. But I did see one person from Canada because, you know, those Canadians who we love because, you know, I love Canadian ice hockey, too. So but they said it means fair, swift and huntress, which to me totally fit. So I did look up in the Urban Dictionary and there really wasn't a whole lot, unfortunately. But there was a couple of the the two that were there. They were pretty hilarious. So the first one is. Someone who is tired of Tamlin's possessiveness. <laughs> well, then call so, me Feyre. <laughs> and then the other one is Milf from Akatar series, as in, dang, Feyre is a hottie. Too bad she's taken. 
<laughs> and the Sorry. funny thing about that is the person who su- submitted that his, their like tag name is Lucian's lover. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and so since I didn't find a whole lot on Feyre, I thought I'd throw in a few other etymology things from some other characters just that we hadn't talked about. So Elaine means sun ray or fawn. And it's sometimes considered the English version of the French for Helen, which is Hélène. So that was kind of interesting. But definitely Sunray and Fawn, like I, I can totally see her. Like I picture her with Fawn-like eyes and kind of that sort of deer in headlights look. So Confused as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Nesta means pure. And it's actually, t- I didn't know this, but it's typically used as a pet name for Agnes. What? <laughs> Did you look up Agnes? A what pet it, name I, you know, for I didn't Agnes. look up Agnes. Yeah. Nesta, Agnes. Nesta. No, I mean, okay. I don't get it. <laughs> it's like saying the pet name for Deborah is Ra Ra. <laughs> Please, for the Rasta. love of God, don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, the last one, I never did Alice, and that means noble, which I thought was kind of oh, cool. She is noble. And I just loved seeing her at the end of this, too. I forgot she got we got to see her one last time and her nephews i know it's no longer giggling ghost apparitions (laughs) (laughs) they're not creepy anymore i don't know maybe they they are depends on if they look like brownies or not true do they have tree bark skin? Oh, the fairy. Tree bark skin. Not the kind. Not the kind you eat. I know. I forgot about that. And I thought you were talking about the dessert. She's like, well, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I would enjoy that if they looked like brownies. Giggling brownies. Count me in. <laughs> I mean, we can get you some of those. Yeah. Not in Kentucky, but. Oh, that's really funny. At the end of the last chapter, she's at the end of her final trial. And she stabbed Tamlin in the heart. Because she basically figured out his heart was made of stone, which I still think. I know we talked about this last time, but I still think that's super weird. Like, you know, I I didn't ever hear his heartbeat. That I mean, but yeah, tracks. are you ever listening for anyone's heartbeat? I no, no. The only time I'm doing that is when I'm going. Can you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? I think the only time I'd feel for a heartbeat if I thought somebody was dying. I know, like, like a medical emergency, yeah. Yeah. which I guess technically this is kind of a medical well, yeah. emergency. I did know it's like she stabs him and, you know, Reese is grinning from ear to ear, but I just, it bothered me. I was really hard on Tamlin in these chapters, by the way. Um, it really I bothered me that he just was like oh you stabbed me and wasn't like i knew you could do it or like good job it didn't see she she did not note that he looked relieved or proud of her or happy well i'm sure it did (laughs) also maybe he was like what the fuck you just stabbed me dude well like he wanted her to for sure right yeah but like can you imagine like think of the weird feelings you'd have about that though because you're like yeah yeah she just would have killed me i don't know i just do you think he knew she figured it out I feel like yes. there was something in there that said he noticed when she figured it out. Like, yeah, she looked at him like, really? And he, like, he like gave her a whoa, look. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 Stone, I tell you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah. it bothered me that he wasn't like, it's okay. I knew you would figure it out. You know, you know it's funny. Like, I guess it. I just expect that of Tamlin now because I didn't even notice that but I, w- I definitely noticed that Rhysand was grinning for me during I was ap- I wrote I oh he's so proud of her yes. also do you think he's also a little happy that Stamlin Stamlin <laughs> got, got stabbed oh yeah oh yeah. for sure yeah he hates Stamlin um so then Am- Amarantha immediately is like well 
I mean, I guess it's fine that you did that, but I'm not going to let you go. She's like, I didn't say when I was letting you go. Which Feyre had already figured out, essentially. But her, Amarantha saying that came across to me as something that I would have done to my little brother (laughs) when we were kids. You know what I mean? Like, well, I said you could pick a show, but I didn't say when, you know, like. I mean, Amarantha's not really known for her grace or maturity, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Um, so then she starts to basically, like, beat the crap out of Feyre. Wait, before that, though, did you all notice that Jurian's eyes started going, like, berserk in yeah. this thing? I, I thought, how frightening and horrifying Well, do you think was? it's because he was like, I'm free! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. don't think, Jur- was Jurian a part of the curse? I mean, I don't know. We know that the finger bone and ring disappear after at the end of this. But after yeah. Amarantha died. But that's because right. the adder took it. Oh, he did. I was yeah. Okay. He took that out. The adder takes it. We find that out in *A Court of Mist and Fury*. <laughs> I um, actually just reread that too, and I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the adder takes it and t- took it to Highburn, and that is how right. Highburn was able to like reanimate Jurian. And remind me, it. and I know we talked about this in a previous episode, but Jurian in *A Court of Mist and Fury* seems like a bad guy, but he's really not. Yes, he's only right. in like the very end. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so can I ask also, have you ever heard anyone besides a villain <laughs> use the word insolence? She said, I'm going to make you pay for your insolence. <laughs> yeah, I've only yeah. ever heard it from the bad guy. Because right, I feel like Amarantha really was like, you bitch. Yeah. Like, I, you know what I mean? That's, well, she went off. Yeah, like, she did. Man, she but like, off the when I'm that mad, I can't come up with good vocabulary. <laughs> well, and I think back to... To what you were talking about last time, Deb, about the prolonged grief right. disorder. Um, and she wasn't living in reality. She had that magical thinking of, like, I'm the super powerful, untouchable being. But she really isn't at all. And do that you, is, like, be, she's being forced to look at that Do in you that think moment. she is in love with Tamlin or in love with the idea of him saying yes? I don't think that i don't know that she actually loves truly i think that amarantha and tamlin are very similar in that tamlin believes that he truly deeply loves Feyre, but we see in his actions that he does not treat her truly deeply loves himself right and he like he thinks that he loves Feyre, but the way he acts is and that's how i feel about amarantha i'm definitely getting into the psychology of these characters uh lately so when i looked up i thought why you know amarantha totally loses her shit and and to your point when she was saying you said it felt like it was something you'd say to her your brother she throws a tantrum she's acting like a Mm -hmm. toddler she's screaming the same things over and over again say you don't love him say you don't love him you're basically a piece of shit you know well, and she realizes too, like none of the Fae are like cheering for her at this point. Right. right. Like I loved right. hearing, seeing that. Like I right. actually noted that that finally in one of these trials, their audience is on her side. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, which was kind of cool. But I thought, well, what what is it about love that makes you do crazy shit like that? And there's a few things that happen in your brain. One thing is it impairs your judgment. So a study showed that the area of your brain associated with judgments actually stops working when you're in love. So it would follow then that it would make you would make illogical decisions like be a crazy bitch like Amarantha. (laughs) Um, So it tracks for me because actually I've read something before that middle schoolers parts of their brain shut down and that's why they can't function. That explains so much. It does. (laughs) It really does. Um, and then the next one is love is actually an addiction. 
So the effect of being in love is comparable to the effect of the chemicals released when you take cocaine or heroin. Mm. But like passionate love can become an addiction, causing obsession and a euphoric feeling and loss of sleep. You will do dumb things to keep that euphoric feeling. So it's like a like a drug addict who'll you know sell things or do dumb stuff like i mean a lot of people sell themselves um to not out of love uh, right right (laughs) but to get just to get that that high to so that they can get the drug and have that euphoric feeling and then also when you're in love there's a lot of risk taking involved so that's because adrenaline is released when you're in love which is kind of obvious but it causes you to take reckless risks and this can be traced back to when early humans mostly males would take risks or do crazy stunts to attract the opposite sex. They still do that shit. I know, right? Peacocking. (laughs) The bigger the risk, the more likely a male would get a female to help him reproduce more risks taking offspring. So like if the, the bigger the risk a male takes, they get, you know, this woman to like procreate with them. And then they think that their like risk taking abilities will pass on to their offspring. Such a weird thing. (laughs) <laughs> but that's what in ancient times they thought would do. So of that, course, when that you do that, it hasn't gone away. I, <laughs> I know. I, I felt know? like this, this sort of feels relevant, but you know, of course that's going to come off as stupid. Like I think of the, Hey, watch this, you know, <laughs> <Hold my beer>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the worst thing you could hear somebody say is, Hey, watch this. And then there's something but, stupid. I mean, think happens. about like when you are like, whenever you said peacocking Whitney, like when you're say you're at a bar and someone's trying to get your attention. Right. But I mean, honestly, women do it too. Like they come up and, you know, do dumb shit. They press their boobs together. Yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, we've joked all the time when we would go to the supernatural cons, we would always do oh a picture <laughs> with, um, Jensen Ackles and, uh, Jared, Jared Padalecki. Thank you. And we would joke because all weekend, I mean, it's cold in this hotel, right? Where they're having this, everyone's got like cute little sweaters on. And then as soon as that picture is about to happen, all the tits come out. Yep. I'm like, they're married. <laughs> Right, like they're going to leave. They don't want their, your boobs. Yeah, right. they're going to leave their family because you wore a push-up bra. Like, <laughs> right, all yeah, right. That exactly. Made, that tracks. I'm like, hey, big boobs, McGee. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, um, along this lines, this, there's a Psychology Today article that kind of asks, why do people do crazy things when they're in love? And the conclusion they came to is because they're scared. So when you're scared, it's ha- hard to calm down and think straight. We rush to assumptions, and it's usually like a worst-case scenario. Instead of being okay with that sort of I don't know in between so like you thinking like why didn't he call me or why didn't she you know return my call or whatever and the not knowing about it makes us go crazy if he or she ignores a text and the first thought is he she doesn't like me it's easier to jump to that conclusion than having to the rationality to think through other options like they're sick or they had to go to work or you know other coming up with kind of answer unknown because nobody wants nobody likes the unknown right and i mean dating sucks i know it really does not knowing is usually worse than knowing even if the outcome is unpleasant so like even if what you know is bad not knowing seems worse it's the same idea of what we've talked about before with scary movies where it's always scarier in your own head than it is when you actually see the monster like it's that same idea like you can work yourself up into a worse tizzy stress whatever just thinking about all the options then yeah just knowing so i mean it. even if amarantha doesn't truly love tamlin i feel like she thinks she does and even if 
you know, in all this stuff, you got to think like if things like adrenaline or things like addiction come into play, because I feel like she's definitely addicted to power. Oh, for so sure. So all those things that even, you know, happen when you're in love also happen when you're power hungry or doing stuff like that. So either way, you know, chemically, she's she's doing crazy shit because she's screwed up in the chemicals. <laughs> <laughs> she screwed up in the chemicals. Yep, in the <laughs> brain chemicals. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> um, so while she, while Amarantha is torturing Feyre, basically, Feyre is kind of listing out the stuff that she's hearing and observing while she's like being beaten, essentially. And I wrote in all capital letters. Where is Tamlin? <laughs> With the three question marks. And then he's I wrote... Got, he's got a cut. I, I know, right? He's hanging out. I made a list right after that of, like, here's Resand. Someone cried out, which I think is probably safe to assume that it's Resand. Well, she says it is. Yeah. Well, before before she specifically says, Resand screamed my name, she says, someone cried out. Um, and then Resand is screaming her name, yelled it as though he cared. He grabs the Ashwood dagger. He lunges for Amarantha's throat. He gets knocked back. He lunges toward Amarantha again with his talons out. He hits her like protective shield and has his talons forced back in by Amarantha's magic. He gets knocked down again and then he gets hit with wave after wave of Amarantha's power. And through all that, where is Tam Tam? Well, and nobody else helps him, which nope. he kind of set up himself like yes. to make himself hated like that. Right. So there's so much of a psychology behind, for example, medication with the placebo effect, right? And a lot of people improving with a sugar pill. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of that comes with confidence, right? That or you, mind over matter. Right, mind yeah. over matter. And for the record, I'm going to go ahead and say I work for the National MS Society and I do think medications work. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> and I'm on a lot of medication that does work. Having said that, do you think Tamlin thought like, well, I still don't have enough power? Hmm. Because he he cowers to Amarantha for 40, 50 years, right? Yeah. So he never tries to rise up against her. So is he just terrified of her? I am not sure that he's really terrified of her. I think that he definitely has a lot of emotional complexity when it comes to her because she is so intertwined with his dad and his family that he... I think has really mixed feelings about. But if he hates them so much, you think he'd want her gone. I, I don't know that he does hate them that I much. I think though. he doesn't have the f- mental fortitude. I don't know to like. He just gives up so problem easily. Problem solving skills. He doesn't right. go into fight or he flight. Th- he goes into flight. He every thinks time. there's this one thing, and if it doesn't work, well, fuck it, we're screwed. You know right. what I mean? Like he doesn't like. Yeah, like you say, problem solve. He doesn't think out of the box. He doesn't you know, try something else or, Oh, why don't we push through this and see, he just gives up so easily. Well, and at this point the masks are still on too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so I, he knows the curse isn't broken. right. I was, I could see an argument for, he thinks he, or he knows that he still doesn't have enough power to really like take Amarantha on and win. So he's waiting. But, but then again, if, if you're just waiting for Feyre to either die or do it for you, then what are you doing? You right. Know? Like, yeah. what did he expect to happen in that moment while he did nothing? And he sees right. that Resand is doing something. That right. didn't prompt him to go, oh, maybe yeah, I maybe should. I should stand up. Right. Just stand up, dude. Right. Um, and even when he does say something to Amarantha, when he comes Please up, don't. Yeah, stop, stop it. 
Stop. Like it's Please. it's whiny and Don't like kill her. I kind of half ass. Yeah, I wrote that down too. Like recent, you know, that big long list of all these things Resand is doing, and he's getting like pummeled by Amarantha. And Tamlin goes over and starts begging, but he doesn't actually like talk about Feyre at all. But she doesn't have anything to do with the right. stuff that yeah. he's saying. While you know? Amarantha is like pummeling Resand, why didn't? Tamlin use that distraction to his advantage and stab her. You know, she's obviously focused on Resand. That's a timeless question. <laughs> <laughs> that we may never know the no, answer to. We may to. never know the answer to, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he doesn't say any, I mean, he does go, he crawls over to Amarantha and begs, but he doesn't say anything about Feyre. He doesn't crawl over to Feyre like Resand was trying to do, mm-hmm. right? And Feyre speaks up for Resand. Like when she right. is being beaten and tortured, she speaks up for Amarantha to stop with Resand. Not to stop for her, not to release Tamlin, but to stop hurting Reese, which yeah. I really enjoy. <laughs> um, and so then Amarantha breaks her her spine, basically, and kills Feyre. Um, and the only reaction that Tamlin has is his eyes go wide when she dies. But, but while she's dying, she goes... Love. <laughs> the answer <laughs> to your riddle is love. Is love. <laughs> Apparently, she was ninety when she I know. died. <laughs> and then, and then she passes away. Um, I did want to read at this point. You know, Feyre dies, right? And if you're not a first time reader, you know that she comes back to life. And I wanted to just read a quick little um, thought, I guess that. Feyre has, while she is sparring with Cassian in book two, this is in chapter 30 of A Court of Mist and Fury. Um, and she's having this conversation with Cassian where he is like, you know, you left Tamlin for good. Like, how are you doing with that? And she starts to think about, well, probably not great. How am I doing with that? And she gets really upset. And but you, I mean, I, again, I just reread that book and he's like the only one with the balls to ask. Her, I know, which yeah. I think it kind of makes you start falling in love with Cassian. I love Cassian. Too. Yeah. Um, she says, I had done everything, everything for that love. I had ripped myself to shreds. I had killed innocence and debased myself. And he had sat beside Amarantha on that throne and he couldn't do anything. Hadn't risked it. Hadn't risked being caught until there was one night left and all he'd wanted to do wasn't free me, but fuck me. Yeah. And it's the first time she's ever like used the F word. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably right. Yeah. But she, I mean, she does. She literally dies and he is not doing anything. And then, you know, she dies and he's just like, no. (laughs) But also, spoiler alert, as soon as she's alive again, he just fucks her. Dude, I, I have things to say about that. <laughs> right? Yeah, but like, I'm like, okay, so you're cradling her in your arms. That's not really enough, dude. Right. 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 You don't even give her the first ember of life. Mm, it doesn't yeah. even occur to you to go, huh? Maybe I should ask all the high lords around me to save her. It take which one does it first? Autumn Court, which to me is so surprising. Right? The Knowing whole what we thing know was surprising me. I didn't realize it happened so quickly. I thought there was in my mind they like all gathered and huddle and we're like, Hey, should we do this? Okay. Well maybe, but I don't want to do it, but okay. And then they all go and do it. Like it just, they just start coming and doing it. I'm like, yeah. well, damn. <laughs> in a court of mist and fury, <laughs> we find out that, um, Rhysand, like spoke to all of them mind to mind while Tamlin was like crying on the while floor. While Tamlin was doing nothing. While Tamlin uh-huh. was and, being a little um, bitch. And, um, he, he tells Feyre later that, 
I would have like forced them to do it if I had to, but they were also like shell shocked that they were just like, whatever. And they all very easily agreed to do it because they were just too. It's time for me to read a court of Mr. Fury again. (laughs) It was really good. (laughs) So can we talk a little bit about how Amarantha dies? Because (laughs) when I was rereading this this week, it says that Tamlin takes a sword and shoves it through her face so hard that he impels her head on stone. I did not remember that. She (laughs) was, She is fucking hanging from the wall underneath Claire better. I know. By the I way. noticed that yep. too. Underneath Claire hanging by her face. Yep. And then guess what he does? He bites her. Cause that's right. what he does. Right. Yeah. He's like, he Oh, is it, is it yeah. Cal and May? I think I need to bite her. Throat. You know, cause I gotta yeah. do that to everybody. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was I mean, brutal. It was yeah. great poetic justice, but it was really violent. Yes. You know, cause I mean, he didn't have to stab her in the face. Well, I mean, maybe he's trying to make up for all the shit he didn't do. Maybe. <laughs> well, I just think about, the difference differences over and over and over between Tamlin and Resand, right? Like Resand has this ability to kill somebody very quickly, very cleanly, and very um it's like hidden and not in your face, right? Because it's like inside their mind. And Tamlin is so force yes and it's always right up in your face like i want everybody to see exactly what i've done and what i'm doing and what i'm because he's insecure well yeah i mean reese and you know we talked about this a couple weeks ago why does he always put his hands in his pocket um rereading mist and fury the last couple weeks i noticed he still does it there and he does it when he is trying to seem nonchalant and it's usually when he's most tense right and most upset and so like he it just he doesn't need, he does need people to know that he's wicked, but he doesn't need it to be like ripping someone's throat out. Right. Which but is again, so much scarier. But here's the thing too, it. like that's, that's not, that's not either of their fault. Like that's just their power. So like, it's not Taman's fault that that's how he does it. Cause he's, that's his power. He's the well, beast form. But his power is not impaling somebody on the stone with a sword. Well, no, he definitely he went overboard. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but I'm just saying, like, if well, he's he going to have three months of pent up emotion, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but I mean, if he's going to kill somebody, he's going to be in beast form. He's going to rip them to shreds. That's just that's his power. That's what he does. Also, I was trying to figure out with a beast paw how he caught the sword. Did you guys yeah. think about that? I did not. I, I did not think about that. The big cat's paw. And it's like, <laughs> like you yeah. can't. It just like slips. I picture he bats it out of the air. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like with Resan's mind power, he probably has the ability to like make your head explode or like, right. yeah. um, like uh, Indiana Jones style, like face melting and coming out your yeah, eyes. No, he totally and does. That'd and be really he, cool. You know what I mean? Like. They definitely have very different powers, but they just approach situations so differently. And Tamlin is always just... Well, it's because Rhysand is clever. And like, you know what I mean? He's definitely smarter than Tamlin. Right. And I mean, Tamlin... Way more strategic. But I mean, I guess it would be true for the both of them that they were raised to be warriors, but Mm -hmm. Tamlin never took the time to also be a scholar. Right? Right. And I mean, he doesn't know very much about other people's lands yeah. right he has his assumptions well and he but- never wanted to be in that position so he didn't right. care to like train to be in that right. position well and but again once you're in that position maybe you try to do a good job well, yeah yeah <laughs> well re- in a court of and fury resan talks about his mom when they're talking when he cassian and Azriel are telling Feyre about like growing up together basically in the illyrian um war camps 
Rhysand says, my mom wanted to make sure that I'd never relied on just like my strength or just my power. Like she, she was the one who tutored him and like schooled him and taught him all this stuff. And we don't really get, Tamlin doesn't talk that much about his background and his upbringing, the way that we get to hear Rhysand. And it makes me wonder what's in Sarah J's head when she's (laughs) writing this stuff, right? Like what does she envision as Tamlin's upbringing versus Rhysand's upbringing? You know, I envision, again, this is not canon. It's just what I envision based (laughs) off what we know, a whole lot of fighting and fucking and that's it. Like they probably trained all the time out in the field and then came home and fucked some chicks and ate food. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know anything about diplomacy. He doesn't know anything about his people. He doesn't understand, like, he can't, you know, in the next book, he has a tithe. They're back for, like, how long? Wait, like a month, maybe? Yeah, and so three months is enough time for you to build up your whole riches again, right? You probably need to give me some money. I did nothing for you for 50 years, but if you could go ahead and give me some money, and if not, sorry, we're going to kill you. Yeah, Yeah. I have special rights to hunt you. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, So while Tamlin is attacking Amarantha, Feyre is dead basically and she is seeing through Rhysand's eyes and she's I was asking so she's actually dead or is he like I feel like something like he's like actually just holding on to like the last bit of her soul or something yeah that's through the mating bond or through the bargain bond it's through the mating bond okay but she thinks it's through the bargaining bond um the bargain bond is I think just a ploy for covering the mating bond because he doesn't want anybody I mean, to really know all it. the bargain but the he bargain. didn't know at that point yeah he did yeah he does i thought that he finds out when it snaps into place at the end well, of this he chapter assumed she was his mate i'm gonna touch on this okay <laughs> sorry no it's fine but i think the the bargain the like when you're talking about the tattoo is really just the yes i will come to your court once a week Yes. I mean, that's all it is. It doesn't typically have any other, you wouldn't be able to like talk to each other through it and stuff like you can theirs. I mean, I would assume not, but I also, I I don't know if they can just because they're mates or just because Resand has that power to talk to your mind anyway, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. That has not been established. I feel like (laughs) if that's a Reese thing or if that's a mate thing i don't know it feels like it would just be a damati thing yeah i um, guess but she wouldn't be able to feel him you know what i mean right she without the mating to, bond or? right right and yeah, like she yeah. Yeah. like because it's reciprocal right is the mating bond but she thinks it's just the bargain and it's not like she would be like well how come i'm feeling this she just assumes it's the bargain. right that's true. right because she has no idea yeah um so you know tamlin does all that horrifying thing stuff <laughs> tamlin does all that horrifying thing stuff <laughs> and i wrote down and then and only then he sobs over favor's body but isn't it so sad that she says i wanted to touch him to beg for his forgiveness for what i'd done for the other bodies on the floor but i was so far away not i love tamlin we're finally i, that, I wrote that down she's too. like i am so worried about what he's going to think about this her first yeah. thought is she wants forgiveness that's how broken she is like she right. can't even she can't even like think about you know enjoying what well or anything and ultimately tamlin doesn't give a fuck that she did that i know yeah he never brings it up he never lets her talk they about it literally never talk about it right it's crazy he try. he does try I think a and then she, and the yeah and then she's like not ready for it but then he never brings it up again like yeah dude read the room 
Um, <laughs> so the High Lords give a kernel of their power to bring Feyre back. Um, and Resand says, for what she gave, we'll bestow what our predecessors have granted to few before. This makes us even. And I wondered, is he talking to Tamlin or is he the talking to Farah? Like this makes us even. Like what? See, Farah says she felt like a twinkle of humor, which yeah. seems inappropriate for the moment. Uh huh. So I that agree. makes me think it was maybe towards Farah because that's how he interacts with her. But I don't know. It seems more appropriate that it goes towards Tamlin. Yeah, if he was telling Farah, this makes us even. To me, that would suggest that he's like, you know what? Forget about the coming to my court right. once a once a month or whatever for a week. Which he doesn't month. do though until she begs him to in Court of Mist of Fury. Yeah. He stays away until she. Well, she doesn't specifically ask for him. She's just well, like, I, I do not want to get married. But and he he definitely like, stays. Hey. He doesn't call in that bargain until he hears her begging for help. Yes, right. He true. says he's going to try to stay away from her yeah. as long as she's happy. Yeah, he yeah says he'll he stay thinks, away. Yeah, he yeah. thinks that she's happy. Um, so she comes back to life, Feyre, and immediate. Okay, so as I'm reading this, who doesn't want to come back to life? If I come back to life, I hope I get to swing swim through sparkling wine. I know that does sound. <laughs> doesn't that nice. sound amazing? Yeah, and yeah. then you're like taller, thinner, <laughs> stronger, are pretty. Yeah, yeah more glow. beautiful. Your right. hair is more l- luscious. I'd be like, oh, am I just drunk? Or did she, I just turn fae? She's drunk on fairy wine is what it is. <laughs> the whole time she was never a fae. She's just drunk on fairy yeah. wine. Well, and like almost immediately she's thinking, I killed them, slaughtered them. I hadn't even seen their bodies being taken away. Like she, like you were just saying, Mindy, she, it's immediate like guilt, mm-hmm. denial of the reality of her situation. And like, I can't even process what's going on. I can only think about this one aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just... It's Can rough. I say that, you know, Tamlin lets everybody kneel to him uh-huh. mm-hmm. and her because, yep. you know, instead of being like, hey, favor, I bet you're exhausted because you just died. I'm going to let everyone bow to me and then I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> well, and she says after a while, Tamlin at last noticed my dull eyes and yeah. my silence and after then he leads let her away. Everyone- worship him well and you know what makes me mad about that is i am rereading a court of wings and ruin and i just finished the part of the high lords meeting where tamlin shows up and is a total douchebag to everybody and one of the things that he says is you know why are we listening to resand and Feyre? because they probably just want to set themselves up as like king high king and high queen of prithian and i'm like but you under the mountain are the one like you just said everyone's bowing to you and you're like yes he was yes, fine my on girlfriend that. Thank he was you. fine on that dais right he never really seemed bothered by well, it and I, it bothered me that people were coming up and thanking him anyways like right, what the she fuck did, did all the do? fucking work yeah. like yeah he killed her but like he killed amarantha also, but so it was his fault they were there i know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i thought i mean it was sort of an afterthought she's like and they were thanking me but like they were coming up and like kissing tamlin's ass and i'm like what the hell is going on here yeah i mean i i could see an argument for like well you know if tamlin hadn't kept sending out his people to find the person that killed the you know what i mean like he had to get her and bring her however 
that is the extent of what he did. Knowing, <laughs> so, knowing also that though it. that it's a patriarchal society. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they're they're gonna thank him before they thank oh, yeah. her. Well, again, in Wings and Ruin, in that same High Lord meeting, Baron from Autumn Court is like such a tool and ignores the the women and right. doesn't want to talk to any of them and calls Favor a human filth and I mean it's all just it's I horrible. Back up just a second because I noted something and I just thought it was so funny when the mask falls off and she sees Tamlin for the first time, like full face. She goes, that lovely straight nose. And I'm like, Feyre, you know, sure know how to flatter a man. Like, <laughs> His nose did not have a bump on it. It was so straight. <laughs> exactly how I had imagined it would and be. She did say it's exactly how she dreamed he would be. Can I talk about no. though that right. Lucian's mask falls off first and he's crying. I know. Like weeping because yeah. he's so thankful and like, Lucian doesn't get enough credit for know. really feeling all of this in the moment. But what he doesn't get credit for is also telling Tamlin, like, maybe you should take Feyre and let her rest. Right. Mm-hmm. He's still Tamlin's little bitch. Yep. yep. The, the only one that can, like, make good decisions, <laughs> really, between the two of them. Um, and here's the thing, too, when he does that, because I noted, you know, he goes in and he has all these meetings and she's, like, just sitting there, like, off to the side and, and like, killing herself in her own guilt. Like, just you mean really... in the next book? or No, in this time. So before before they go and spend time with Feyre, before, oh, right. after all this happens, he goes and he's, like... Um, before she even, he even makes sure she's okay, he's meeting with all the other High Lords. They go in and they do High Lordy things. And I feel like Resand would not have done that. Right. He would have been like, I'll get to you all later. Right. What I'm going to go make sure Feyre's right now. Exactly. Like, yes. I, re- I 100% believe that that's a difference between them. Oh, yeah. No, I would totally agree with that. Um, So Tamlin takes her away from everybody into a room you know, just the two of them. And she is still just like, so overwhelmed with guilt. I should be on my knees weeping with shame for all that I had done. And this is where Mindy, you were saying he's trying to talk to her. Like, do you want to talk about it? She's like, no, it literally just happened. I don't want to talk about it. And she also says, you know, he wasn't human and neither was I. And I wasn't certain whether I was happy about that or not. I know. Like, so she's got the guilt too of not really being excited that they brought her back to life. Yeah. Because in her, in her point of view too, now she has to face everything that she did. Well, right now she's like, feels like she's going to jump out of her skin because her body's changed so much and she can't like, I mean, can you imagine how disorienting that is? Not only is she filled overcome with guilt, she can't even like walk right like she's like trying to figure out her limbs it's it reminds me of uh i had forgotten that she like struggles with that a little bit because it nesta and elaine have the exact same experience when they get turned like nesta comes out of the cauldron and immediately goes for elaine to make sure she's okay and it says like she falls down because she like her body is so different immediately right it's just crap you have to deal with on top of all the other crap that she still has to deal with you know Mm -hmm. like yeah so you know it talks about how when she woke up all the blood was gone right the bodies were gone do you think they showered before they had sex because he talks about being down by her thighs and stuff and i'm like is she still in that tunic that she wore into the mountain because she also hasn't bathed in days and you're down there by her hoo-ha. I'm going <laughs> to assume that for her, at least the, uh, the power of the high Lords bringing her back probably cleaned her body. Like cleansed her. Did yeah. But Tamlin probably cleanse? not her clothes. Not Lord, no. Right. Of course he He's didn't. He's probably know. got like dick cheese. He tried to make out with her after he had just had sex with somebody else. With <laughs> That's the, right. The great right stuff. Yeah, because I talked about yeah. someone else's yeah, cheese. That was not... early podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the OG. 
Um, yeah, and she has, so he wants to talk or gives her the chance to talk and she isn't ready to do it. And so she has sex with him instead of talking. Did you notice too, like he's trying to be maybe not as like forceful and then when she sort of says it's okay, he, he, he bites her and then she, and then she realizes that that's his, that's his signal that he's getting impatient he's in yeah i'm like really dude i didn't God, like put either. your dick in your pants well and then this whole interaction between the two of them continues for months until she leaves to go to the night yeah. court like they don't talk about anything, anything. and yeah. they have sex instead. well he pretty much says like this is high lord's work yeah why yeah. don't you go pick flowers yep. but i Anthony tell you what flowers to have in book wedding. two right yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so then she falls asleep and wakes up to a gentle tug and realizes Resand is like beckoning her basically through the bond. Did you notice when she got up, she said, I prayed I would ever sleep that peacefully again when she sees how oh, peacefully no. Tamlin's right. He's sleeping just fine. Yeah. yeah he's, he no, doesn't sorry. even wake up. He doesn't have yeah. any issues. And just, just for her to say, I prayed I would ever get to sleep that peacefully again. Well, like, and she oh. says like, once she goes to Resand, like she goes like, what do you want? And she meant to say like, what do you want? Yeah. Right. And she remembers, it says, I remembered how he fought again and again to attack Amarantha to save me. I know. Baby Resand. I know. Daddy so. Resand. <laughs> get it right. He feels like a baby Resand here. So she, so he basically is like, I just wanted to check on you, right? And she's like, why did you do any of those things? And he says, I didn't want you to fight alone or die alone. And I wrote a big heart with that. <laughs> um, and they basically just like kind of talk and are just like normal people with each other for a second and he asks her how she's doing and she actually tells him where she wouldn't or couldn't do that with Tamlin I loved in that moment too when he tells her um when she asks him why in the beginning he says because when the legends get written I didn't want to be remembered for standing on the sidelines and mm. all that stuff and it's just like he doesn't just want to be remembered as Amaranth's whore but also he loves her I know yeah he also says because you know when she does open up to him about everything um, about her body being clean and shining and it's a mockery of what she's done he says be glad of your human heart mm-hmm. Feyre pity those who don't feel anything at all and he's the only one in this whole book that's told her that it's okay to be human yeah mm. yeah that's yeah. true I mean true. honestly even her sisters were like you have too much of a bleeding heart like you know what I mean like yeah. they and he loves her for that yeah, I hadn't ever put that, that together. That's true. Yeah. That's a good. And point. then his eyes open all wide, and he's like, "What?" <gasps> yeah. What? So he there he's getting ready to leave, and then he went rigid. His and not in a fun way. His <laughs> eyes locked. His eyes locked on mine, wide and wild, and his nostrils flared. Shock, pure shock, flashed across his features at whatever he saw on my face, and he stumbled back a step. Actually, stumbled. So, um. Of course, I look to A Court of Mist and Fury, chapter 54. And so Resan talks about this in the final trial with Feyret. It's kind of long. Seeing you bleeding and screaming undid me. It broke me at last. And I knew as I picked up that knife to kill her, I knew right then what you were. I knew that you were my mate and you were in love with another male and had destroyed yourself to save him and that that I didn't care. If you were going to die, I was going to die with you. I couldn't stop thinking it over and over as you screamed, as I tried to kill her. You were my mate, my mate, my mate. But then she snapped your neck, tears rolled down his face, and I felt you die. 
and this beautiful, wonderful thing that had come into my life, this gift from the cauldron, it was gone. In my desperation, I clung to that bond, not the bargain. The bargain was nothing. The bargain was like a cobweb. But I grabbed that bond between us and I tugged. I willed you to stay on, to stay with me, because if we could get free... If we could get free, then all seven of us were there. We could bring you back. And I didn't care if I had to slice into all their minds to do it. I'd make them save you. You'd free us. You had freed us with your last breath and my power. I wrapped my power around the bond, the mating bond. I could feel you flickering there, holding on. So Amarantha died, and I spoke to the High Lords mind to mind, convincing them to come forward to offer that last spark of power. None of them disagreed. I think they were too stunned to think of saying no. And I again had to watch as Tamlin held you, kissed you. I wanted to go home to Valaris, but I had to stay to make sure things were set in motion, that you were all right. So I waited as long as I could. Then I sent a tug through the bond. Then you came to find me. I almost told you then, but you were so sad and tired. And for once you looked at me like, like I was worth something. So I promised myself that the next time I saw you, I'd free you of the bargain because I was selfish and knew that if I let you go right then, he'd lock you up and I'd never get to see you again. When I went to leave you, I think transforming you into Faye made the bond lock into place permanently. I'd known it existed, but it hit me then, hit me so strong that I panicked. I knew that if I stayed a second longer, I'd damn the consequences and take you with me and you'd hate me forever. I landed at the night court right as Moore was waiting for me, and I was so frantic, so unhinged that I told her everything. I hadn't seen her in 50 years, and my first words to her were, she's my mate. I told myself you were happy. I should let you be happy, even if it killed me. Even if you were my mate, you'd earn that happiness. So part of my nerdiest thing of the week is um, when I was re-listening to this on audiobook, this week at like midnight, I was laying on the couch, like crying, <laughs> listening to this, um, this whole exchange, because I mean, it's just so emotional. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Especially that for me, it's like, like once again, I had to watch Tamlin hold you and right. Tamlin yeah. kiss you and you be excited to see him again. And it's just like, oh my gosh. That sucks. It's also the opposite of what Amarantha had screamed at her, right? Like you deserve, you don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve, you know, to be yeah. with any of these high fae. You're just a filthy human. And he's like, no, I, you which is interesting because be all the other high lords thought that she was worthy of being high fae. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? See, I, I think it's funny that he's like, they, none of them disagreed. I, I literally feel like none of them even like thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, whatever. Okay. I, sure. I, Thanks can for I go home us. now? Yeah, that's great. Um, so then Rhysand leaves. Actually, really quick, the other sweet thing that I thought that Rhysand said when he's talking and he's like bearing more of his soul to her than he normally does. And she's asking about the flying and why, he, you know, why he's not oh, yeah. flying and or why nobody knows about it. And he says, everything I love has always had a tendency to be taken from me. Yeah. I tell very few about the wings or the flying, but like, and I then know. in that moment, then that happens. He's like, oh, I just feel so bad for him. Yeah. Sweet baby resand. But it all worked out. <laughs> um, so they go back to Spring Court. And I loved that Feyre, you know, she's basically thinking, I've been through a lot of crap, but I made it. I brought us both home. Yeah. It's like she gave herself the, the credit, credit. Even for just a second, right? Like she doesn't 
it's not like, well, you know, Tamlin brought me to Prithian. Tamlin let me overhear those conversations. It was like, no, I did that. And you're welcome. And I really liked that. Again, I feel like that's just one little tiny scrap of hope that like she's going to figure it out and be okay eventually. But then she she also says there would be tomorrow and an eternity to face what I'd done. I know. So then she's like thinking, well, shit, I've got all kinds of time to mull this over. To be, yeah, to yeah, think to about. To be broken. To relive, yeah. you know, killing these people over and over again. Uh, I wrote, we see the nephews with multiple <laughs> I, did, I put, oh, Alice and her boys. <laughs> yeah. I did not remember that we ever saw them again, so. I think it's been the funny that lucian calls him to dinner i imagine him with this big dinner bell <laughs> dinner time because <laughs> oh, she knows she says lucian called us to dinner and i'm like what <laughs> when has lucian ever been the like bringer of dinner news yeah i feel like never <laughs> um but yeah i wrote down to you she and tamlin have basically not talked at all sex and silence and that is it and that, they don't that even continues sleep in the same room most of the time he sleeps with her in her room a lot but he always has his own space yeah. right. forever. Yeah. And right. he stopped sleeping in her bed because nightmares wake him up and he like, tur- right. he, wake- he w- wakes up as his like beast creature sometimes, I think. And so she says that he like sleeps not on the floor or maybe he gets up and paces or something, but I'm, she's I'm like, he doesn't sure even sleep in the bed. He was getting woken up because she was puking her guts out. Yeah. Well, he pretended like he was, asleep. <laughs> it was he, pretended he acted it was like he was problem. asleep. Um, but I wanted to talk about this ending with you guys because the first time that I read this book, I feel like you read it and, you know, they go home and they're standing on this beautiful grassy hill and looking at the beauty of Spring Court and they're, they're home and they're back and they beat, you know, the villain and they're the heroes of the day and, you know, they get to live happily ever after, right? And then this time it's like ooh they have not talked at all she is extremely unhappy he seems completely oblivious to it he is kind of like weirdly unaffected by stuff like he sleeps so soundly like we were saying a few minutes ago and it you know she's in denial and avoidance and like does not want to deal at all and that causes a lot of problems for her later right um and when I first, the first time I read A Court of Mist and Fury, you know, it starts off with her having a nightmare and running to the bathroom and puking, right? And the first time I read that, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on, you know? And so I just think it's really interesting that this writing is, of the end of this first book is so subtle that it feels like it's a happy ending. But when you when you think about it a little bit deeper, you're like, yeah. no, this is not. And I even wrote like I thought it was weird that she still considered Spring Court home. Mm-hmm. Like she even feels it in her soul. Like when they get there, that this feels like home or whatever. But it was like night and starlight and all that stuff that she was sent with the music and all those images and things that actually are always the things that bring her sort of out of her funk or whatever. And I thought that was interesting that she still felt so drawn to spring court. Yeah. And see, I don't I think it was the only place she felt safe. I don't, True. I don't know that she actually feels drawn anymore, but it's like, well, what else am I going to do? Where right. else am I going to go? It's I home. But I mean, she does say got. it feels like home. Yeah. Like she feel, she felt like, that's you true. know, well, and, and I, even when she's dying, when she's trying to think of good things, all she thinks about is the times in spring court when she was with Tamlin. Yeah. I mean, that's true. 
She did have some good times. Yeah. What's Amelie? The one time. That one time. That one time. Kissed her eyelids in the Yeah, that one time. Um, I did look up the endings to other Beauty and the Beast stories and Cupid and Psyche. So uh, we talked about this when we went through Psyche's Impossible Tasks. But basically, in all of those other stories, which are different versions of this story, right? Um, it's all happily ever after. They they get married. They are together. And Psyche, in the Cupid and Psyche story, Psyche becomes immortal. She becomes the goddess of the soul. She and Cupid are together, married, and they have a, a daughter. Um, and all the Beauty and the Beast stories, all of them end essentially with Beauty finding the beast at just the right moment before he's going to be killed or die. She saves his life in various ways and they get married and live happily ever after. Like that's it. And I feel really stupid saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I was thinking about that and I'm like, okay, so obviously you're supposed to think like Tamlin, he's the beast, right? Like that's his beast form or whatever. Um, the beast form is the beast. That's a stupid thing to say. And they don't get married. Right. And I was so pissed the first time I read this book when I realized like, really? oh, oh, I was like, it heated. wasn't going to be a happily ever after. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a happily ever after, but it was very clear that it wasn't going to be a happily ever after with Tamlin. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad. Like, what was the point of all a <laughs> freaking book one like that is genuinely how I felt and then yesterday I was thinking about it and I was like oh Resand is actually the beast why do you think that because okay maybe this isn't stupid then okay good <laughs> um okay so Resand is actually the beast I think because Resand fits first of all he turns into a beast too just not the one that looks like the Disney Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> he has a beast form. He at first is like horrible villain. Um he's got the whole kidnapping her thing with the bargain taking her to the night court but ultimately is a good person deep down and has a completely other side a complete other side to him that only she can bring out. And Tamlin is Gaston. Tamlin is Gaston. <laughs> I mean, he is. Yeah, like when you said that, I was like, well, who would Tamlin be? He is. Gaston. Right. Self-centered. Yeah. Arrogant. And then. Only thinks of himself. Beauty and the Beast, Resand, they get together and live happily ever after, after she becomes immortal. And Gaston wants to have Belle and wants mm-hmm. to marry her. Yep. But doesn't get her. And. In the Cupid and Psyche story, Cupid goes to, um, I think it's Jupiter. I think it's Jupiter. And you brought up Jupiter the other day, and every time you say it, I'm like, boys, go to Jupiter <laughs> to get more Jupiter. You know, I saw a TikTok the other day. Is, uh, they said, boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider, and then the response was, girls go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. Anyway, Cupid asks for others' help to make Psyche immortal. And Resand is the one that makes oh. Feyre immortal. He's so, the one that asks for the help. Yeah. Yes. He's the one that asks for the help to make her come back to life, basically. And so I was like, I've always thought of it. It is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Like Tamlin does fit the beast in a lot of ways, but ultimately Resand is the beast. I want to know right? if, if you've blown any listeners' minds with this. I know. I, I was thinking about it yesterday and I was like, is this going to be one of those things where they're like, 
yeah, duh. <laughs> like, how have you not know, figured I that out? I never thought of it will, that will it way. Be the FF of the moment where we should just get it. <laughs> I, I was worried about that. <laughs> no, like, I guess I thought, yeah, that was the Beauty and the Beast part. And then she puts a spin on it and twists it. And then we have the other books and Resand become, you know, like in my mind, that's what it was. But you're right. Like, if you take it as a whole, if you look at the works as a whole, yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Well, because Accordamist and Fury is always like, well, that's the Hades and Persephone, right? Like, mm-hmm. Resand is the Hades. She's the, and that's also true. That also applies. But. I think Resand is Hades and Cupid. All right, let's take a quick break and come back and do a quick wrap up talking about the book as a whole. Mindy has an Our Nerdiest Vocabulary wrap-up for season one. Number one, there are some polarizing views about Reese on Urban Dictionary, mm-hmm. right? And then secondly, we found out that some Christian people actually named their kid Adder, which means venom. Third, we found out that Amarantha is vegan and loves to give head, according to the Urban mm. Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> she likes meat, just not beef. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. And finally, none of us were pronouncing bogey correctly because the actual pronunciation is kind of icky. Bo- bogey. bogey. We didn't really like bogey. It's still bog in my head. So I will time. say I texted Mindy a couple weeks ago when I was re-listening to Mist and Fury and they call it a bog. But we found out that we don't give a fuck. <laughs> this is a Nikto's Nikto situation. Yes, well, that's, I guess that's the final thing we learned about our nerdiest vocabulary is that, you know, it might be what it's supposed to be, but that doesn't mean it's what is in our head. Yep. Well, and the author... And it's okay. The author may not be a word nerd like Mindy is and may not be pronouncing it the way that it is <laughs> supposed, supposed to be. be. <laughs> true. And we haven't really talked about jury in a whole lot. Ooh, that's uh, true. So I wanted to look up and see, you know, what his name meant. And it's actually the medieval German form of George... And it means earth worker. If his name was George in the book, I would have not taken that right? seriously. Well, I got George in my ring over here. He seduced my sister. <laughs> I got George's eye going crazy. <laughs> Jurian is smart, sweet, childish, funny, bipolar, a little fatty. <laughs> That's just How thrown can in you there. Tell that from an eye. I don't know. It's just thrown in there. Determined, joyful. And is curious in his own little world type of person. That is quite an injury. <laughs> I mean, in your that, defense, he is said. in his own little world. He is in his own poor little guy. world. Yeah. Too soon. <laughs> Someone who takes pleasure in the retention and expulsion of feces. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the retention? Y- yeah. Like, do you store it or do you not let it out? I think you don't let it out. That's, or maybe it's constipated. That's what my toddler is doing. <laughs> That poor thing. I know. What did? The, what was the very first part of that? They someone take pleasure. Who, someone who takes pleasure in the retention and expulsion. So of they feces. just like really enjoy their bowel movements. I think and that's like what the yeah. digestive process. Yes. Essentially. yes, but holding it can hurt. That your, is so weird. Your lower intestines. You're not supposed to hold it. Well, apparently somebody gets pleasure out of that. Ew. <laughs> They're also going to have a stomach ache and have to go to pelvic floor therapy. <laughs> yeah, they probably will. I Poor am, I'm really disturbed by that, yeah. that second entry. Isn't that, isn't that a nice one to end on? One thing I have appreciated. <laughs> one thing I've appreciated about these 
uh, nerdiest vocabulary and deep dives is that I think that I thought that Sarah J just made up all these names, like just out of her imagination. And now I'm realizing that there's a purpose. There's, you know, she, <laughs> she's so she wrote, yeah, like she researched and they have meaning and yeah. connections. And well, in your defense, a lot of authors, we like say that they just make it up. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they're not as deep as Sarah Janet. Maybe like sub not sub subliminally that's not the right word subconsciously, subconsciously. thank you <laughs> so we're going to talk about just kind of overall favorite things least favorite things revelations as, for the book as a whole what is your favorite moment or your favorite twist so mine was actually just a very small moment that i had kind of forgotten about and just really really solidified for me how how early on I actually did start liking Resand. And it's after the second trial when he kind of talks to Feyre over the bond and he's encouraging her to keep her head up in front of Amarantha and mm -hmm. just to keep going until she gets back by herself. I loved that. I just loved that moment between them. It's kind of a small moment, but it definitely like stuck with me. And then the other one I had was another little small moment. It was kind of a twist, but I loved the moment when Lady Autumn helped Feyre. I'd forgotten about that as well. Oh, yeah. That, that is, is a nice, really sweet moment. That's a nice moment. I think my favorite moment is Callan May when she meets Why? when, she, when she meets Resand. Oh, yeah. That's a good <laughs> Even one the first time I read the book, I was like 100% on the Tamlin train. But that scene really stood out to me a lot. And the first time I read it, I thought that it was just something that was supposed to stand out because Resand becomes so important under the mountain. But obviously, you know, you find find out later that it's much much more than that but it always stood out to me like ooh, who's the hot guy that you know <laughs> why did, was he, he waiting for her. me yeah like he did help her right like she yeah. was in trouble and that always just stood out to me fortunately for mindy and i whitney keeps us all organized and sent us these questions for us to you know think about what we wanted to say so when she put what was your favorite moment or twist i didn't think about the book i thought about the podcast and i wanted to bring up that one time that whitney said fuck twice in oh <laughs> stop that was my favorite moment and twist. That was a twist, wasn't it? Uh, it the was last six twist. months. I was like, wait, you just said fuck twice. <laughs> What's happening? Before we even got it out of our mouths. I know, yeah. right? I, yeah. was, I was feeling some kind of way. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> the fucking was coming. <laughs> That's hilarious. So let's talk about our favorite spicy scene. Well, I picked the spiciest scene I could think of in this book. Which was what? So to me, the hottest scene is when Reese kisses Feyre. And so like when you're first reading it. In the hallway? In the in the back room or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because when you first read it, you're kind of pissed. You're like, oh, what the fuck is he doing? And then when you do the reread, knowing he wasn't just being a dick and he actually had feelings for her, mm -hmm. it's hot. So I had put, I don't have one in this book <laughs> in because the first book, none yeah. of them really did anything for me. I assumed Tamlin was probably a minute man and then I felt like Reesan <laughs> was forcing himself on her. But I mean, if I get to open it up to all five books, it's definitely hold on to the headboard. Ooh. Book five. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Silver Flames. Silver Flames. <laughs> I would say in the first book, I like it when he licks her face. Oh. <laughs> I know I'm I'm I mean, in the minority there. Spoiler it, no, alert. No, 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 no. In your defense, I didn't say I didn't like it. <laughs> I do. I, I do like that. I didn't ever like the uh, the first sex scene with Feyre and Tamlin. And I don't really know why. It just always made me feel kind of like icky. I do like this. I feel like it was kind of rushed. It was. And I do Maybe, like this yeah. sex scene at the beginning of book two that they have she and Tamlin. 
That's a pretty yeah, good Yeah, that's a better, I think that's a better Right, because he built spice. up some stamina and endurance. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it felt rushed, because it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> opening it up to the whole, opening it up to the whole series. The whole series. <laughs> <laughs> this is quickly becoming my favorite moment. <laughs> no, I would say Silver Flames also, first of all, all of it, all of them in Silver Flames, but the um, the dining room, right before Azriel walks in and but while we're talking about moment. that, and I won't say this is my favorite spicy scene, but it's seen a lot in the fandom and something I always defend whenever Ness, uh, Nesta tells Cassian that he's quick off quick the mark. Quick off the mark, yeah. And I always say, I'm like, well, I would be too. <laughs> <laughs> How about your least favorite moment or least favorite twist? I feel like there's a lot to choose from <laughs> after discussing it in as in-depth as we have. Well, spoiler alert, one of mine was when he licked her fucking tears. No, I like it. it's just creepy. <laughs> me out but the rest of the, my other ones is every time that Tamon bites somebody mm. ew it does happen a lot more than you would think yeah <laughs> yeah I think my least favorite is the limerick the limerick <laughs> just makes me so upset it's not the fiddle it's well oh my gosh I hadn't even thought about the fiddle they're gonna have to she be had like drowned it out I, had, yeah. I blocked it out of my brain no the fiddle is just I still find it so embarrassing um but the limerick just makes me so mad like teach the teach the child how to read right like don't just write her dirty poems write the dirty poems and then also teach her how to read the dirty poems but it just upsets me so i'm allowed to have three right (laughs) sure (laughs) of course so one of my least favorite moments was honestly one of my favorite moments too and it's the music under the mountain mm. so Feyre is feeling so hopeless during that time and really close to letting go she wants to die she's about to break and it reminded me so much of my own deep depression before I went to therapy and start and I, and I won't say I ever wanted to let go but I depression does make you feel very very hopeless so I think Sarah J. Mass does a really good job of explaining how that feels, but I also really hate it because it like makes me, right. it makes my stomach hurt. On a less serious moment, kissing of the fucking eyelids. Oh, Who yeah. does that? <laughs> I would much rather have my face licked than me someone too. kiss my eyelids. I, I, I'm not on board with either. And then number the three, stand. stay away from the face. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> number Unless three, it's my mouth. Yeah. Number three would be Tamlin trying to screw Feyre in that closet mm-hmm. instead of helping her escape. I've never oh, yeah. been so mad at a character than in that moment when he could have just helped her get out. Yeah. And it still surprises me when I think back to the very first time I read this book and that just, like they're going to do it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. He just <laughs> wants to kiss her. And then later I'm like, Oh yeah. Why didn't he try to get yeah. her out? And then it makes me feel stupid that I didn't even just like Feyre. Like I didn't even think about it. But I mean, Sarah J Mass does that on purpose. She right. wants you to feel that way. And she's a good writer and she makes you feel that way. So I was just being a good reader. Really? Yes. <laughs> I was doing a good job. You did a good job with. <laughs> Thank you so much. How about the biggest revelation? from this book one so for me it's actually a couple of theories that you all had so my first one is deb's serial hunt theory that's mine too yeah Mm. like that just blew my mind and then the other is from our final episode um the beast is reselling tamlin is guest on that whole that blew my mind as well those were the two like that i that i remember like going Oh, yeah, that's kind of amazing. 
So yeah, those are my two revelations. So I will say my my biggest revelation too was the theory that I put together that Hunt from Crescent City might actually be the serial. And I'll create an infographic and post it with this episode because I do talk for like 15 minutes about it <laughs> on that episode. And so I want to make it a little more bite-sized for you. And it also supports the theory that we've talked about from the beginning that Crescent City actually happens before Akatar in the timeline. And I, I wanted to point it out, and I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget to say it. I know at times she has said that they might be on the same timeline. So this fandom does not need to fucking come at me because she <laughs> lies sometimes so that to throw us off. That's like true. all authors do. Like why would she tell us her biggest secrets? And right. that's the cool thing about a book like this is we can all kind of have our own theories. And you know what? When I'm right, you guys can say thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think my biggest revelation, I was trying to think back to when I read it the first time, right? And like what really surprised me. And it for me was when Feyre goes back to her family's new um, like estate before she goes under the mountain and finds out that Nesta came after her and tried yeah. to cross the wall for her. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about how Nesta is described as Feyre in this first book, especially as just kind of like a super bitch. Mm -hmm. And it's really surprising to Feyre and to the reader that Nesta would do that for her. So Yeah, it is very different when you go back and read that after you've read Silver Flames mm -hmm. and realize, knowing everything you know about Nesta then, how different that scene feels yeah and I think too that same scene but reading it this time and putting together all the stuff all the information that we've um, read in all of the books especially Silver Flames and putting it all together in that list that we talked about of like okay let's think about what Nesta's dealing with I think that was a big revelation for me this yeah. this time right like it's because it's a lot that it she's dealing lot. with okay so I wanted to talk about listener theories because I have a few friends listening to this podcast and I'll shout you out in just a second that shared a few things that I just thought were really interesting some of them are um, just thoughts and theories but I thought that they were really cool and I wanted to share them with you guys too so the first thing is um, from my mom shout out to Linnell when she listened to the episode where we talked about the bogey, mm -hmm. a.k.a. the bog, the bog. <laughs> she said maybe she picked that pronunciation because of the military term for bogey, which, as I understand it, was or is used to talk about like an enemy missile or like an enemy ship or something. So a bogey in that form would be an enemy who wants to cause you harm and is like aiming toward you specifically to cause you harm. And which remind is, everyone what the bogey so is in case they're not as nerdy as us. The bogey in Akatar is a creature that kind of goes up to Feyre while she and Lucian are uh, riding their horses on like a trail or something and is saying, look at me, open your eyes, look at me, because um, he wanted to devour her, right? Like, if you look at it, it gives it gives it permission somehow to attack you, which I kind of thought fit with that military term, right? Like, coming directly to you to cause you harm. And I just thought that was really interesting. And I was super impressed by that. So shout out to my mom. And then I have a couple of friends that I went to college with that have been texting me as they listen to episodes. And my friend Amanda, shout out to Amanda. She texted me recently. She was listening to the episode where we're talking about Feyre doesn't know how to read right and how I like go off about Tamlin never teaching her and she told me she theorizes that perhaps Tamlin doesn't realize that she can't read and I was like oh, what are you talking about and she said when Tamlin talks about it he only talks about it in terms of her writing 
when Feyre talks about it, Feyre is the one that talks about reading. So she theorizes maybe he doesn't realize that she truly cannot read and only thinks that she doesn't know how to write. I didn't go back, you know, and reread all of those sections, but maybe. I do feel like, though, I don't know. I I don't know. When you're learning how to read, you're also learning how to write. Well, maybe in the Fey world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is true. It. They this do it true. differently. I'm not sure, but um, I do have to remind myself that this is fiction. I know, right? And this is not the Earth world. It's not our world. It's so different... it's okay to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Someone posted in one of the book groups on Facebook this week that she was irritated that they that Cassian talks about um, lactic, lactic acid. acid. Yeah, I and I wrote, "Well, the play of the Devil's Advocate. Maybe they already know about it there, and we don't actually know when this takes place." That's true. So yes. they do have, you know, running water, which yeah, is a modern thing. Right. Yeah. And so. But they don't know how to do a C-section. Right. Which I think yeah. was kind of her point. Yeah. Like, you know. But again, so. this is not our world. This is a different world. So my friend, Chris, going. my friend, Kristen, shout out to Kristen. Um, she sent me a couple of different messages that I wanted to share. And one of them made me laugh because she was, we were talking about, I think it was the episode that's titled, I'm not a Tamlin apologist. Um, she messaged me. She said, I think I am a Tamlin apologist. <laughs> which, which made me laugh. What was her name again? Uh, her name's Kristen. Boo. <laughs> I'm kidding, Kristen. So this is what she said about Tamlin, about cutting Tamlin a little more slack, basically. Mm. Um, I'm gonna, this is a quote. I'm going to read it. The, mm. end, the very end of this message made me laugh. She said, Tamlin endured, and the, the, these are all true points. We'll see. To point, to point that out at the beginning. Tamlin endured 50 years of Amarantha, the weight of the Fey race on his shoulders, and then his own under-the-mountain trauma. I guess I just don't think he is any less understanding of her trauma than she is of his. I think she's quite whiny and bratty in book too oops lol <laughs> and that made me laugh the oops that made me laugh I, a lot i would say that um all the fey under the mountain for the 49 years have more trauma than he does maybe i'm just saying but drama is Fuck trauma, him. i yeah. guess and then this is the last one that i wanted to share she was listening to us talking about the under the mountain and resand and how resand um treats her like a her his property, like a tool, that kind of thing. She said, I'm listening to the, the most recent episode. There's a lot of focus on Reese using her as a tool, the wraiths assaulting her, no consent, treating her like property, etc. I was trying to evaluate why none of this really bothered me. And if I'm not a good person. <laughs> oh, you are. <laughs> she said, um, but I've determined I still think it's fine. They don't have time for all that. This is an incredibly dangerous, incredibly high stakes situation they're all in. He doesn't have time to be getting her consent and convincing her he's not evil and hoping that she's a good enough actress to pull it off. This is why I give Tamlin so much grace, too. They haven't been able to relax and be normal for 50 years. A- anyway, not that y'all care about my opinion. That's just why none of that bothers me. We do. We do. <laughs> we do care. I know. It made me... But I was like, I mean, those I are true things. Yeah, I do like it when somebody else makes me kind of question and think about, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to change my mind, but it might. I mean, you never know. I think... I, and I think in one of the early episodes I said something to the effect of like I want to be able to look at these characters as complete characters right and not only focus on the good things of Resand and never talk about the negative things and not only focus on the negative things of Tamlin and never talk about the good things right and that messages like that and different perspectives help me be able to do that and I I just I loved it so thank you guys for sending those thoughts please continue to do so keep them coming and if you've never sent 
sent thoughts, send them to us because yeah. we really like reading. So I had a few too, since we're doing actual shout outs. So my friend Carrie, <laughs> she got like halfway through season one and she texted me and she's like, can I say, can I give you some constructive criticism? And I was like, no. Um, <laughs> but I wrote, sure, smiley face. Um, and this was just her own thing. Because I thought she was about to say, like, your voice gets on my nerves or something like that. And I'm like, oh, my God. So she told me that she thought she was a fantasy book nerd. But we proved that she really isn't very geeky. <laughs> She said, I like Outlander, you know, they travel in time, and I like Time Traveler's Wife. And she's like, but I don't fucking care about all the lore and everything. <laughs> and I, you know, I told her, I was like, that's cool. Just yeah. You don't to have to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then we've had some really, we've really grown some bookstagram relationships. If you're not following us, it's literally our nerdiest thing, all one word. And we are on bookstagram all day. We love interacting with you. But there is one, we've had a couple people say how much they love our friendship, which is really nice to hear because yeah. I, I think we do have a really wonderful we love our friendship 15 too. years of friendship. Yeah. But we, there's someone named Tonks underscore Padfoot underscore Mooney, which shout out to you. So she commented this week that we have the best friendship. Aww. And I was like, we do have the best friendship. <laughs> Thank um, you, Tonks. So then my friend Marcy, I actually saw her last week and she said, you know what you've done to me? And I said, oh, God, oh, what? what? <laughs> like, do I make you horny? <laughs> and she said that we've turned her into a reader. Oh, yay. Oh, awesome. That was probably the best compliment that yeah. we've oh, yeah. on this oh, season. So and good. she can't wait to, she she said, I'm kind of stressing because I feel like I have to read from Blood and Ash before the season starts. I was like, you might want to. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to lie, but like <laughs> she got super into um, the whole Akatar series That's awesome. and she's on Goodreads now. Yay. And like, yeah, so I was really, really excited. Oh, shout out to Marcy. Marcy. That's the one I met, right? Well, yeah. Welcome to the dark side, honey. Yay. Yeah, that's the best. I think that's the best outcome yeah. for people for a podcast like this for people to start reading right, right. like yeah and read what you like i don't care what other people think right. the cool thing about bookstagram is there's like you know romance pages there's pages like ours that are super nerdy there's like some super like praise kink pages which i think are so fucking funny by the way <laughs> um and like it's just a community that supports each other and the authors interact it's a fun community so just get yeah. on there and talk to people and like i don't care what you're reading as long as you read yes yeah just read something Read something you enjoy. I mean, hell, I read hockey porn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I read, I just got done with uh, Hooked by Emily McIntyre, and we're going to get to meet her this week. I'm really, really excited, but it's a lot of praise kink. And I was reading it at my husband's. 95th grandmother's birthday party today and someone walked in um and again i'm just reading right and it just says hooked on the front it doesn't have anything bad or anything but she's like what are you reading and i was like um and it was like on a real nasty scene <laughs> and i said oh it's a um peter pan retelling <laughs> it's real you know neat. like the disney movie <laughs> <laughs> there's no murder or you know sex or anything in here <laughs> it was his grandmother's 95th birthday what did i say the 95th it so- grandmother yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he has 95 grandmas well which normally no. i would not point that out she but that made me that made me awesome laugh. so let's talk about just our overall grade for just this first book i'll be honest the first time i read this i didn't i mean i gave it like two and a half stars and it wasn't because i didn't love it it was honestly because i felt like leading up to under the mountain took too long 
right? And I mean, honestly, now that we've read all five books, we know that that was needed, right? right? And so at that time, I gave it a much lower score. I do think this is the type of book that you have to read the whole series and then honestly go back and read it again because now it's a three or four star book for me knowing what I know right and so um, I actually when I finished it when we were recording I went in and changed my Goodreads score because I do feel really differently about it now Um, and you know having the other books to come back to and you know putting all of that together about Nesta and learning more about Tamlin's trauma and all of that it makes it really really special. Mine changed also, but in a very different way. So when I first read this, I am a very fast reader and I read for the story and the story hooked me like I'd, I just really got into it and I, I liked it. I liked where it ended up. I liked all the complexity of the characters and I actually gave it five stars the first time I read it because I went back to Goodreads and saw what I gave it. Then I reread it again for the second time. And knowing everything I knew, I would say I would give it two and a half, maybe three stars as well the second time I read it. Now, when we read it this time, I'm changing it again because when I when I read it with a critical eye and doing the deep dives, I really have a better appreciation for the book right. within the anthology. So I think overall it's a four for me. But you and I read it, you and I, you um, <laughs> when we were in Australia. <laughs> I was going to say British. <laughs> Um, (laughs) when you and I read this, it had just come out. I think book two had just been released when we read this at the time. And think of how much has changed in almost eight years since we read it. We've gone through a pandemic. Our lives have changed drastically. You're almost about to have no kids in the house, right? Like I have kids in high school now. And I think also our point of view on life definitely different definitely it makes me want to kind of go back and look at what I rated some other books I mean I'm not going to do this because that would take me forever but and like wonder if I would still rate I wonder if I would still rate some of the other books I've read the same I think the first time I read this book I would have given it like a b b plus grade I think I would have given it like three or four stars because I enjoyed it but when I finished the book for the first time I read it it was just kind of like I mean that was fine right that's how I felt too it wasn't like the most amazing book I've ever read I read it super fast and it was super enjoyable but it wasn't something that I couldn't stop thinking about right yeah Mm -hmm. me too and so then reading the whole series I enjoyed it a lot more as like you said Mindy about when you understand everything that's going on and there's so much complexity to it and you do gain an appreciation when you know the whole story, but it's still not my favorite just because I know the whole story. So I don't need all the world building. I don't need all of the introduction to the characters. I appreciate the book for its complexity and how it works within the whole series, but I would still probably give it like a B or three or four, three or four stars, you know, like I, I do enjoy it more and more and more the more that I read it because I always notice something different, right? There's always some kind of, oh, that's what's going on there. Well, I don't understand. I think people that don't reread books don't read these types of books. No, I, yes. Because there's always more to that. unpack. I mean, because I mean, not to call you out, how many times have you read this book? <laughs> like eight. <laughs> okay, right. So the fact that you're still finding new things is really, really exciting. Yeah. And that's, it's like the appreciation for it as far as the story itself it's you know it's not my favorite in the series but you have to have it it's the first not my favorite either but yeah Yeah. well wouldn't you say it's the same for lord of the rings harry potter Mm -hmm. yes it's because there is so much world building and so much that you don't notice as you go through these books and they become like these you know lifelong 
things that people pass down to their kids, which I think is super duper fun because Harry Potter, for example, spans across all age ranges, which is really exciting. And kids are still picking it up. Right. And I wouldn't say Akatar can do that. (laughs) It's a little nasty, which I'm okay with. But, you know, especially this first book, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of ages can read it and really understand it. And um, it's special. This first book is is more of a YA book than the other ones. I do think that's technically, if you go to Barnes & Noble, this is still in YA. Yeah. Some of the other ones are too. Harry Potter's the same way, just not on the same level, I think. Like it's we, violence with those. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like once you hit book five, it gets really dark. It well, does. If you think about like, it's essentially genocide yeah. is what yes. they're doing, right? Yeah. And it's terrifying yeah. when mm-hmm. you make those parallels in those Because we have kids, like there are kids, you know, at our school in the second grade who can read the Harry Potter series. And, you know, we'll, we let kids check out whatever they want because we're not that kind of library where we're like, we're not going to, we're not going to tell kids what they want to read, but we try to gear them towards ones that are more their level. Just because you can read something doesn't mean you should. Mm -hmm. Right. And so kids that get hooked on it that early, we try to kind of like, oh, why don't you try something else once they get to like book five and six? Because it really is a lot darker than the other ones. Well, so let's talk about the series a little bit. Thinking about all of the Akatar books, so we've got the first, A Court of Thorns and Roses. Book two is A Court of Mist and Fury. Book three is A Court of Wings and Ruin. Um, book four-ish is the little novella, A Court of Frost and Starlight. That's Deb's and then favorite. <laughs> book, no, book <laughs> five, or book four, if you don't count the novella, is A Court of Silver Flames. So out of the whole series, which one is your all's favorite? For spice level and character redemption, I would say A Court of Silver Flames. But if I look at it all as a whole and overall, like the story and the revelations and that kind of stuff, I would say A Court of Mist and Fury is my favorite. I would say that too. It's when you meet the inner circle. Feyre starts working through some of her trauma under the mountain. And the Resand character development comes out and you learn about his endgame, which is, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. continues on through the rest of the books too and everything that they're trying to do. And you figure out that, yes, he kind of saw her as a tool for the war in the beginning, but now he sees her as a partner. And I think yeah. that's really, really amazing to read and Resand especially is just a really great character and I feel like that book's sort of the cornerstone for the rest of it right Mm -hmm. yeah no I agree (laughs) however um, (laughs) I know what your favorite book is I know my favorite book is uh Frost and Star no I'm just (laughs) (laughs) just kidding it's Silver Flames I just I just love it I can't I love Mist and Fury that will always hold like a special piece of my heart because it is such a like, whoa, like kind of experience. Again, what was it? Whoa. <laughs> the first time you read it. You reminded it. me so much uh, of your son right then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see him saying that. Whoa. <laughs> he would be thrilled to hear that. Um, but no, Silver Flames is just, it's characters that I love that are kind of settled in who they are as characters. And, getting more confident and finding their power literally and coming into their own. And I love Cassian. I love Cassian so much. I made that little noise. (laughs) 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 My headphones fell off everybody. (laughs) Um, No, I just, I love Cassian and I love Nesta and I love their relationship. I love that it's much more complex and not quite so storybook as I feel like Feyre and Reese is. So mm-hmm. I love Silver Flames. 
last but not least, I just wanted to talk, uh, have all three of us talk a little bit about why we love this series and this book so much, because, you know, talking about this book at dinner on our girls trip is where we started talking about doing a podcast, right? And we picked this book to be our first book for our first season for a reason. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Like why, why is it so special? Sarah J Mass is just a brilliant storyteller. I believe in her world. Her world building is phenomenal without being like overly complicated because I've been reading a lot of like fantasy books lately. And sometimes it gets like too much, like I can't keep up with hers. It was just enough of a slow burn that I can get behind everything. I felt like a part of the world. I could imagine it, you know? And then her characters are so wondrously flawed in like the very best way possible. I get new insights every time I read them. And I'm not a rereader either. Like I don't typically reread things because in my mind, I've got enough sitting on my TBR that I need to like make a little chunk in that. I don't need to be rereading stuff I've already read, but I do enjoy rereading these books And I just never get tired of them. I think for me, the world building is so expansive and so interesting and not really something. I mean, there's a lot of fey literature out right now, um, which I'm so happy about, by the way. But eight years ago, there wasn't a lot out like this, which is why I think it captivated so many people. And this is a huge, huge, huge spoiler. So I'm just putting that out there if you want to, you know. Plug your ears for 30 seconds. Having Akatar and Crescent City turn into a multiverse was just brilliant oh, and yeah. so shocking to fans and yeah. just really, really smart. I'm, as I was writing my notes, I was like, they should put her on Marvel because that's getting a little stale. <laughs> a little, yeah. And I think she could, you know, bring it back to where it needs to be. But I love that there's Easter eggs all through mm-hmm. all three of her series, right? So Throne of Glass, Crescent City, and Akatar. And Honestly, this is the only series where I annotate in my book because so much of it crosses over and I want to make notes about, you know, oh, why are there rune mountains in Throne of Glass? Yeah. Right. And so it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's easy to love. I agree with all of that. She is, she is a brilliant writer. I love the complexity of the story. I'm going to get a little bit more personal with why I love this book and this series so much too. And I might cry. I really might. But I'm going to try really hard not to. So you guys read this book a long time ago. I read this book way more recently. I went through... I've always been a reader and I've always loved to read. And that has always been my like stress reliever and escape. And then, you know, having a full-time job and having a kid took a lot of that time away. Right. And I basically just like stopped reading and stopped reading things that I enjoyed. I was reading stuff that were like nonfiction or things for work or the the books I was teaching as a high school English teacher, but not just stuff for me. And you guys encouraged me to read this book and to read this series. And I did. I'm, I really might cry. I'm sorry if I do. But I had had my daughter and my second baby and had a really hard time Uh, after she was born and uh, continued to have a hard time through COVID and reading this book and reading this series really like sparked that love for reading in me again. And I started reading like just for me and stuff that I wanted to read and stuff that I enjoyed. And I mean, it has truly been like a lifeline for me the past few years and a lifesaver for me the past few years. So this book, the series, these books will always hold like a really special place for me and you guys too. Because, well, we know we're special. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I just, I don't know what I would be doing with my time and I don't know like what my mental health would look like if I hadn't started doing that again and having that peace 
that's just for me, right? And not like Whitney as a mom or Whitney as a wife and having to do all this, you know, cleaning the house and all this stuff that we have to do all day, every day. It's, it's, I just am very appreciative of it. It's really special. We love you. Thanks for sharing. I love you guys. So now I just felt like we were on delicious dish. (laughs) Thanks for sharing. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. So now I guess it's time to share our nerdiest thing of the week. Why don't you go first? Because yours is the best. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what yours is, Mindy, but I already know this story and it's really good. So (laughs) this is really embarrassing. I'm reading the Bonds That Tie series and (laughs) I've I've read, I'm almost done with book five and it's been like three days, maybe (laughs) three or four days. Um, So I had a doctor's appointment. Um, a couple days ago. And so I brought my Kindle with me because I knew I was going to be waiting in the waiting room. So I'm just reading my Bonds That Tie book and I'm sitting in the room waiting for the doctor to come in. And all of a sudden, the book turned like super spicy. And I like, mean, she sent me a screenshot and I was like, it Damn. is, It is like super graphic, extremely detailed, like silver flames level and beyond. I right? think the word is graphic is negative and I would say it was very explicit. detailed. Yeah, it's, it was, it's very explicit. It was nice. It's explicitly detailed, right? It it does not leave anything to the imagination. It's very descriptive. And there was no buildup to that scene. It just like all of a sudden happened. And so I didn't know that I was going to be sitting in my doctor's office room, like (laughs) reading a scene like this, right? This is book two, right? I think it was book two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. It was because I was, I texted you guys later and I was like, well, you can't say who which bond it was. So yeah. You don't want to spoil it for anyone. Right. But it was intense. So <laughs> all of a sudden the doctor walks in who, thank God, is a woman. And I was like, oh, h- hello. And just like quickly put my Kindle away, whatever. So she immediately takes my blood pressure <laughs> and she was like, honey, your blood pressure is kind of high. <laughs> And I was so embarrassed. I did not be like, yeah, I just was reading a real hot sex scene. <laughs> See, I would have told her. I would have too. not. Because I oh didn't want her gosh. to, like, next time I come in, her be like, well, we need to watch your blood pressure. Right. It wasn't that high. It was the, what is it, like, the top number that's, like, right then and, right. you know, your heart rate is up. <laughs> and I, and I was like, Do you remember what your heart rate was? Yeah, it was, like, 134. <laughs> It was like 134 over like 60 something. And I was like, huh, that's so weird. I don't know. I don't know why it would be like that. But I did not tell her why. But she was like, let's just, you know, it's not like concerning. It's just high, you know, a little high. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and it was super embarrassing. But I did go home until I texted you guys immediately. And I, I told my husband, like, he was like, that is really embarrassing for you. <laughs> Now, do you want to go to the bedroom? <laughs> He's like, so go uh, keep reading that book. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my turn's over. <laughs> well, mine's not nearly as exciting. But, um, well, I have two. The first one is super nerdy. And I I had been, I don't like to wear belts because they're like really clunky and weird in the front. And I always feel like it just looks weird. And we only like to be clunky in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, cause I don't wear my, my shirts tucked in or anything. I think if I did, it wouldn't be as big of a deal, but my, I have, I struggle with pants. I have a very square frame and my pants don't stay on my, I know they're all laughing at me. <laughs> this is just such a random thing. <laughs> when she said that to you, I'm thinking SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> <laughs> no, I technically have a square frame, which means I have no curves. Like I don't have a waist. I, it's everything's really straight. So pants fall off of me and it's very embarrassing and all day long I'm hiking up my pants and it's really frustrating so I bought these things and they're called 
This is the nerdy part. They're called belt bros. <laughs> oh my god. There are these Velcro straps that like you hook on into your belt loops and the, and it cinches your your waist. But does it work? It does. Well, I'm there like you go. super stoked about it. I want to know why they're nerdy. not belt gals. I, I was just going to say let's call it belt bitches. Belt bitches. <laughs> much better the belt bitches hook you right in <laughs> exactly my other nerdy thing is a couple podcasts ago i think i mentioned that i made the most impulse buy that i've ever made and i bought these bat boys cookies um, that were themed after the bat boys and i brought them in tonight and we um, indulged in them a little bit and they were very, very and good. my husband wouldn't eat any i know <laughs> he was like i feel like it's not I for feel me dirty <laughs> I did feel dirty with the uh, the general. Is that what it's called? The one yes. that's supposed to be for Cassian? Because it, it definitely has a creamy center. Yeah, so that's what, <laughs> calling it a creamy center. I'm just like, I mean, I know what they're doing, but I just it, it made so me feel kind of gross. It made my center one. feel that way. <laughs> the High Lord tasted delicious. Two podcasts ago, I talked about my nerdiest thing being getting a new book book journal and the hard thing is like you know I order them online because I can't find what I want at the bookstore and of course I got it and I spent $35 on it and I didn't realize I didn't like it until I started writing in it mm. I'm like I don't like it it felt like this is stupid but the pages were thin like a dictionary and they need to be like cardstock you yeah. know what I mean and it was yeah. I didn't know it was alphabetized like a address book and I, my books go in sequential order in my reading journal yeah. there were just a, a lot of first world problems with this book <laughs> so I made my own I made my oh, own book journal this week. Cool. Yeah, I found um, there's a really cool, I'll put the Etsy shop in our show notes, but a really cool like printable book journal. And then I've been making wooden journals anyway. And so I made my own cover and got tabs and like made it exactly what I, I wanted it to be. So, and then our nerdiest cocktail, since it is our big finale tonight, which is sad, but also really exciting. It's been a really wonderful first season. So our cocktail is called the big finale. It's a scoop of chocolate ice cream, uh, a shot <laughs> of espresso mixer a shot of chocolate liqueur a shot of vodka blend with ice and imbibe it's very very delicious we also put another scoop of ice cream on top <laughs> it was really good yeah yeah it really really was so it's been a wonderful first season it really has, it has. it's been a lot of fun i've really enjoyed this i have too i'm it's excited kind of the to highlight it's been the highlight of my every week it is has, to come spend time with you for me ladies. too it's nice it's nice to have stuff that's just for you right yes. like just because you enjoy it and like to do it. I like it a lot. We have a lot of new things coming up on the horizon, though. We for do. For season two. Um, next week, we're going to drop the trailer for season two. And uh, the week after that is going to be a special bonus episode about Scarlet St. Clair, the event we went to in Lexington a few weeks back, and her book, The King of Battle and Blood. And then also for book two, or I'm sorry, for season two, we have a cocktail sponsor. So we'll be having some fresh cocktails and we'll be announcing that really soon. That's and exciting. then the really big news is during season two, we will be moderating the panels at the Imaginarium Book Festival in DC, which we're really, really Yay. excited about. I do believe they're sold out of VIP tickets, but general admission is free. So you can definitely come and we'll have a table there and we would love to meet you. And the the two ladies that work on this event are just so spectacular and so fun. And so we can't we can't wait to do that. That's going to be our girls trip this year. Yeah. And go follow them on Instagram. Yes. Imaginarium do. Book Festival is Please. their 
And if you're not following us, come follow us. We're just as funny online. Our nerdiest (laughs) thing, yeah, on Instagram. But I guess that's it for season one. Goodbye. See you for uh, get your copy of From Blood and Ash. Go ahead and start reading about Hawk and Poppy. You will not be sad. I promise. Mm. (laughs) Bye. Bye. For exclusive content and to keep up with all things nerdy, follow us on Instagram at Our Nerdiest Thing. We post book reviews, what to read next, and our cocktail recipes. Have something nerdy that you'd like to share? Email us at OurNerdiestThing at gmail.com. This podcast is edited and produced by The Story Guides. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.